0: Good morning church, man it's so good to see you, I have missed you, <laughs> good to be back with you. Uh, the past few weeks have just been uh, really a great time for me and my family to you really just get some rest but also uh, for me to get with the Lord and uh, sort of as I'm with my family the last three weeks I've also been internally just wrestling with with the Lord and in prayer and and, um, and, and wanting to see a, a where, where we are as a church and, and, and where maybe the Lord would have us to go. And so over the last few weeks, being free of the preaching, the last three weeks, which is something I've never done, and six years of being here at Bannockburn, I've never even done two in a row. Um, but to do three in a row, um, man, I just, I'm grateful for that because it's been an awesome time and I have a whole lot to say over the next four weeks, but I want to, I want to thank Pastor Casey, Pastor Chuck for shepherding you and the teaching the last three weeks. Awesome. Awesome job. Love those men. And, um, they've covered three uh, things, three weeks in a row and they are like here, you know, I'm sure. And, uh, but I'm grateful to them. And I want to say up front, if you are a guest with us this morning, um, Over the next few weeks, you're basically going to be stumbling into a little bit of a a family huddle. Bandybird's coming together, uh, and and we're talking as a family. Um, August the 22nd, um, we usually, in the ministry, when school starts back, it's almost like ministry starts back. You know, it's like uh, the summer's over, and and people just rally back. We have a a promotion Sunday where all our kids graduate to the next class and the next level. It's exciting, and there's tons of people on our campus. Uh, It's usually a big time where we have lots of guests. Um, And just know, on that Uh, Sunday August 22nd which is in four weeks we will start a new series let me just let you know what's coming up the search for happiness Um, there's a graphic here happiness we all want it how do we get it and it's actually a teaching series we're going to begin in the book of Ecclesiastes how many of you have ever studied the book of Ecclesiastes if you don't know what that is it is a grind of a search for purpose meaning happiness in life where do we find it? And it's, it's, it's all of the travel through the valley to get to the peak of where it actually comes from. And actually you get to at least know what the source is and be able to drink from it. It's a fantastic journey. I'm looking forward to it. And so make sure, August 22nd, if you're ever going to bring a friend, that's the Sunday to bring them. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about going through that with you. But today we begin a series in vision. Vision. Every once in a while... Uh, Every pastor of every local church really needs to talk to the church regarding mission and vision. Have a family talk, if you will, about where are we, where are we going on the grand scheme of things. Uh, And when it comes to mission, first of all, um, that's just something that never changes. That's something that we do day in, day out, every single week. Uh, that's the, the the mission of the gospel. And it never changes. And the reason it never changes is because that mission is given to us. That's not something I come up with. That's not something any other of us come up with. That's something that Jesus himself gives us. And it comes from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And uh, I read this verse all the time. You may know it by heart. Especially as a Baptist, we know this. It's one of those popular passages we use and go to. And the reason why is because Jesus basically consolidates what we're to be about in a very tight Uh, statement here he's he's risen he's with his disciples and he says this in Matthew 28 18 to 20 it's called the Great Commission given to us the church to do and he says and Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Jesus is king of the earth and then in verse 19 go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so Jesus is coming and saying, There's an age starting right now. It's the mission of the gospel. We've been in Acts this summer, and we saw that actually play out in the beginning days of that mission going. And guess what? It's continuing on right here, right now, and we're continuing on in that mission. And Jesus says, Make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe my commands, and that's going to last for a certain age. And then I'm going to return, and I will be with you doing this work by my spirit all the way to the end of that age. And we're in that age right now. So we have this mission that's been given to us. And at Bannockburn, we took this this text And we wanted to to create a simple way of saying this particular mission that Jesus has given to us. And so this is our way of putting language to this mission for us as as a body right here in South Austin. And it's basically this. We exist to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We exist to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is why we are positioned in this place in South Austin off of Brody Lane. That is why we're here. What are we to do? Jesus hands us a mission, a baton, and says, this is what you're there to do. This is the thing you're supposed to be giving yourself to. We sum it up. Every church gives us its own language, and this is just our way of giving it our language. We sum it up in four words. Reach, connect, equip, and go. All four of those words come straight from this passage reach connect equip go it's just aspects of fulfilling this mission that we want to focus on and reaches we reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ the reason the church exists in any local community is to proclaim the excellencies of God to that community we are here as his messengers to proclaim a message to this community that's why we are here so reach is us Doing what we do together to proclaim the message of the gospel to our community. But secondly, connect. We do we connect people to God in salvation. We we have a royal priesthood. We have a priesthood that God commissions us to have, where we introduce people to God. That's what we do. We take the hand of God, we take the hand of people in our community, and we say, Hello, introduce them to one another. That is a priesthood role that a church has. We connect people to God in salvation. We connect believers to the church in membership. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 2.47, y'all remember that passage from this, this past summer? Um, that you don't just get saved, get right with God, and go on about your life. You actually join a family, a family that's on mission, and you join the purpose of God in a family. And so we help people join the family of God through a membership process, and that involves baptism and a covenant and all those sorts of things. We do that at Starting Point um, all the time. And then connect members to one another in biblical community. And then thirdly, equip. Jesus said, teach them to observe all that I commanded you, not just to teach them everything I've commanded you. If that were the case, I'd hand you a Bible and I'd say, go. Teach you everything Jesus said, here, read it, go. But to teach you to obey everything Jesus said, that's another task. I gotta get in your life, I gotta get beside you, and I gotta go, here's how I'm I'm doing it, follow me as we all follow and seek to live obedient lives to Christ. That's a different thing and that's equipped we want you to know God's word cover to cover. We want you to know the depths of God's word as Hebrews 11 says that you would be mature in your faith, seasoned in your powers of discernment to know what God has said and that you grow in your discernment and how to live it out in your life. That's equipped component. And then go that you would you live missionally That we would send believers into the world on mission with the Lord Jesus Christ. In your workplace, in your family, wherever you go, you're representing Christ. And you are um, sharing the love of Christ in every aspect of your life. And we're all doing that together and we're living for on mission with the Lord. So, here's a way you can think about it. We as a church, what do we do? We bring them in. We bind them together. We build them up. And we send them out. Does that kind of make sense? It's my southern way of just summarizing it. We bring them in. We bring people in. We bind them together. We build them up. We send them out. Bring them in. Bind them together. Build them up. Send them out. Bring them in. Bind them together. Build them up. Send them out. Rawhide. (laughs) Y'all laugh at that every time, and I've done that at least 50 times as your pastor, and I thank you for laughing. That's awesome. We are a disciple-making institution that Jesus set up 2,000 years ago. And we're just continuing in that. And that's what we do all the time. That's the reason you're seeing people following baptism. That's why you're seeing people join this church. That's why you're seeing people show up every Sunday. We're continuing in the rhythms of discipleship and knowing the word of God and sharing the word of God with one another, encouraging one another as you go back out this week and you're going to run into people who don't know the Lord and you can represent him well out there. We together collectively are also a part of the worldwide mission of the gospel. We're planting churches in North America. We're, we have international partners spreading the gospel in India, in Mexico, the Dominican Republic, and in Ethiopia. We're, we're doing all of that together. We're just fulfilling what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And as long as I'm your pastor, we're always going to do that. Why? Because any local church that's worth its salt is going to have to commit itself to the mission its founder said to do, and that's Jesus, and he said, make disciples. Many churches can get distracted from this, and we can be all about other things, and we can get, you know, wrapped around the propeller on all kind of little things, but we're not going to do that because a healthy church stays committed to the main mission. So our mission never changes, but our vision, what is vision? Well, for the sake of this series, vision is simply us as a church coming together to try to discover what is God doing in Bannockburn? Where are we positioned right now with the gospel ministry? What might God be calling us to step out in to expand the mission of the gospel through bannockburn that's what we're talking about when i talk about vision and bannockburn i feel deeply like we are being challenged by the lord right now to go further with him for greater gospel impact in our local community and the world i believe we're in a season right now where god is inviting us to take some steps forward together collectively with him as a church. These steps involve risk. These steps involve faith. (laughs) These steps involve trust. Every one of us falls somewhere on the spectrum of risk assessment, right? God goes to Moses and says, go tell Pharaoh, wait, 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 wait right there, Moses says. Risk assessment alarm bell running off I will die you're asking me to go die God says will you trust me every time God approaches somebody they got to decide whether they're gonna trust him because why because he will not let you go without trusting him and so he constantly calls us even as a body into stepping into the darkness not knowing if our foot's gonna land to trust him in his word he wants that for us. So they involve risk. And our natural instincts when God grants a challenge to his people is for us to re- react by feeling very uncomfortable. And some of us may feel totally comfortable and others may be like, oh, my goodness, and locked down, right? Um, that's just the nature of things. We all have to do risk assessment. But it will feel risky when God is challenging the church to move forward with him. And it can make us a little comfortable. But God does that. And sometimes he does call us to feel uncomfortable because what he's after with us as a church is greater dependence and trust in him. And I believe God challenges churches this way from time to time just to take us to that deeper place of trust, to that deeper place of depending on him for greater gospel ministry. You know, Bannockburn, our DNA is to answer God's challenge With trust and sacrifice that's our DNA when you trust God in his mission and you make the sacrifice that he's calling for us to make he responds and he blesses and he pours out his blessing this church was planted in 1973 right here in this spot some people got together and they planted Bannockburn Baptist Church. And someone on that day took a statement and they wrote it down on the history. And it says, on Sunday, May 27, 1973, a group of 137 people responded to God's challenge. I love that statement. Because what that meant was the way they viewed what they were doing was not, we're going to do something great for God. No, God's on mission. We're simply joining him and responding to his challenge in doing this act of sacrifice, this act of risk-taking. It's his vision. It's his mission. We're just joining him and taking the risk and laying it down for that, for him. And that's what they were saying. 130 people responded to God's challenge to form a new church, with a mission of reaching and ministering to the people in far South Austin. We were far South Austin at that time. I wanna ask you a question. If you were here in 1973 and you are part of that 137, raise your hand for me. I would ask you to stand. Hey, let's, let's, keep your hands raised, keep your hands raised. One, two, three, four. Anybody upstairs? Ruby, I heard you had a Bible study in your house because they didn't have facilities. Something like that. Uh, sacrifices were made. And they laid it down. Why? God might do something here. Four of them are here, y'all. That means hundred and thirty three of them. Matter of fact, there was two in Dripping Springs, so do the math. About 130 of them are not here today. But we are. What did they do? They just trusted God. And they laid it down right here on this property, and they committed themselves to something that could flop. They had no guarantees. Did you have a guarantee, Ray? That God was going to show up and it was going to be successful and it was going to explode to what we see today. Did you have a guarantee of that? No. You know what they had? A dirt road in Brody. And nothing out here. Nothing. Cow, pastures, horses ate right on the verge of the property, on this piece of property. I looked at pictures of when they planted this church. There was nothing out here. It probably looked a little bit like, what are we doing? If you're talking about location, what did they think? They said, God's going to move. Our city's going to grow. There's neighborhoods going to go out out here. People need the gospel. Let's plant for the future. They laid it down. And what did God do? He blessed. They trusted God. And when they trusted God and they said, your mission, your vision And we're going to sacrifice. And we're going to commit ourselves to this task. God blessed. Thousands have been reached. Do you know what building they built first? For a while they met at Crockett High and all that sort of thing. Started in a school. The first building they built was a gym. Now, I don't know if you guys existed in 1973? I didn't. I wasn't even born. But in 1973, churches didn't just plant churches, and then the first building they built was a gym. That's not what you did in the 70s. That was incredibly progressive. They built a worship center, a nice house for God in the 1970s. That's what you did. You built a nice house with a steeple and a front door, and that's that's what you did first when you planted a church in 1973, but not Bannockburn. I know you're not in the ministry world. I know you're not, not just living in the church planting world. But that's not how you planted a church in 1973. But they did. And they built a gym first. And they would worship in a gym with two basketball goals on each side. And listen, y'all. Chicken wire around the walls inside the gym. Chicken wire. And so I asked Driving Springs earlier. I was like, I don't know why even they did chicken wire, but they did. And I said, why? And they said, budget. It held in the, apparently, it held in the insulation. (laughs) Chicken wire. What was the statement they made with planting and building their first building as a gym? What was the statement they had? I know that statement. I know exactly what they were doing. I can hear their heart And they built a gym. Here's what they were saying. Let me share that with you. They were saying, we are going to be a church that puts our community mission ahead of our comforts. That's what they were saying. And, oh, Bannockburn, why would that be? Because the Lord himself considered the importance of reaching the lost as more important than his own comforts. He went to the cross to reach the lost. So over the next four weeks, I want us to think about this in light of where we are as a church right now. I want us to capture the spirit of even those who planted right here in 1973. They built the first building. By the way, they, they, they finished their first building in 1974. 1974 is when the gym was actually built. And that's the year I was born. So it's like 29 years old, something something like that. But long time ago and many years of sacrifice on this campus right here and i believe we're in a season where god is challenging us to go further with him again and i always want us to be a church that never loses the spirit of that those people those 137 that we're always willing to step out and risk that we're always willing to step out and trust god in his mission and his vision not mine his It's his mission and his vision that we would trust him and see him bless and meet us right there on that risk assessment process. And that God would bless and use us in even greater ways. I believe that the, the challenge God is giving us as a church is to experience him do something through us that's even greater than he's ever done ever. I really believe that. And it's right here. Churches that are almost 50 years old and are as large as we are, have a tendency to get comfortable and stop being the risk takers and engage in the mission the way they did it first. That is a tendency of every church. They get big with big programs, with big budgets and systems and processes that run like a machine and they begin to just exist in the bigness of the machinery as it were. And there's plenty of money. And there's plenty of people, and the programs are really doing the work. There's plenty of staff. And a church that gets big can be to begin to subconsciously begin to trust in what they can do and stop trusting in the things that only God can do. And that's a dangerous place for a church to get. But it is the natural life cycle of a church. Big, big, big comfortable and you know what else the mentality happens in big churches it's so big and there's so many people and there's so much money and there's the programs are so nice and all tweaked to to, to the fine you know the detail that everybody thinks someone else is doing it am i right everybody begins to think someone else is doing it why i'm coming into this giant organization and someone else does the mission i just enjoy being a part That is also something that can kill a church. It happens subtly. It happens gradually. It happens under the radar, and it sneaks up on you as God's people. And before you know it, you look around, and you find that you've stopped trusting in what only God can do, and you started trusting in what we can do. And I believe that we are now approaching a season where God is calling us to trust him in ways that will stretch us way beyond anything we can do. And I believe it's a critical time period for us. I believe it is why God brought me here six years ago. To lead you to trust him more than we ever have before. The word that kept coming to my heart the past few weeks as I'm just grinding in prayer, seeking clarity for myself, is invest. Invest. You see, invest is different than give. I mean, when you, when you give, you think, okay, I have this many coins, and if I take these coins and I give it to you, then I have less and you have more. All right, This, this is just the idea. And it stops there. And that's not really the idea of, of gospel expanse, gospel mission. It, it, invest is more like gospel mission. That, I, that I, I do give, but I only give to get more. I only give like an investor to produce a yield. I don't just give just to be less. I give to produce more. I invest what I have now for an abundant harvest later, like a farmer. I plant a seed for a harvest to come in. And this is gospel ministry thought processes here. And so invest. And in my time praying and thinking this through, I believe the Lord is calling Bannockburn to invest And I'm not just talking about money. Of course, I'm including money. I'm talking about all of us in our hearts investing what we have. Our time, our treasure, our talents, everything we have. All of us investing ourselves in the gospel ministry together. Invest what we have now for greater impact in the future. That's what the 137 did. They just gave what they had then. So that this would be true 48 years later. That's why they did it. That's how you advance the gospel kingdom. And, and I want to share four, four vision investments, if you will, four vision investments that I believe are like faith steps for us. We're going to cross the 50 year mark in two years. If we're right in the middle of stepping out, on these four things, I believe we'll be right where God wants us to be, and continuing in the spirit of those 137 50 years later. Four statements. I'm going to deal with the first one this morning, very quickly, then I'm going to deal with the second one next week, the third one, the following, and the fourth following. So four weeks here. The first one is this. Invest in our campus facilities for future impact. I'll get to that in just a second. Secondly, invest in a multi-site expansion in Buda Kyle. I'm going to talk about that next week. Number three, invest in positioning Bannockburn as a haven of hope and healing for the hurting. I'm going to deal with that in week three. And then number four, invest in planting three churches in the next three years in North American cities where the gospel is needed most. Investment number one. Let's go back to that. Invest in our campus facilities for future impact. There are three things that cannot make a church, but it can break a church. Let me share three things with you. First thing is location. Second is facilities. Third is finances. Now, these things can't make a great church. You can have the best location, you can have the greatest facilities, and you can have all the money you need and be a dead church. These three things cannot make you, but if they're not dealt with, they can break you. For Bannockburn, our current issue is not location. We are in the hot spot for ministry, for gospel ministry. I believe we couldn't have a better location than South Austin and our location in Dripping Springs for the future of the city and the gospel mission in Austin. The current issue is actually not finances. We have a a large and very generous church body. Uh, We are in a financial position right now in our general budget that we are going to blow out our annual goal of what we hope to get in uh, by hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's the projection right now. Please keep giving. (laughs) I know the second I say that, everybody's like, oh good, that's great. Keep it going, or that doesn't happen, if you know what I mean, right? Um, But thank you for your faithfulness in that. But finances is really not an issue for us right now. In fact, a few weeks ago, we've been in a process of talking about our multi-site expansion and doing lots of research in the Buttec area and all those sorts of things. I've been pulling teams together, and we've been having conversations like that. Um, We had a gift given to the church of $600,000 a few weeks ago because they've heard about these visions, they've heard about the mission, and they wanted to contribute to it. $300,000 was given to our general budget. We basically met budget. We still have to October. $100,000 was given to South Austin facility cosmetic upgrades for our student ministry. Praise the Lord, all right? Hey, our student ministry is meeting in that building that they built in 1973. We just covered the chicken wire a few years ago. So we've done a little bit of lipstick on it. 200000 was dedicated to our vision initiative number two, to our multi-site expansion in the beauty of Kyle. God has abundantly provided finances to Bannockburn, even already as we are just beginning to take steps researching the pathway. He has provided But if we want to invest in the future of the gospel mission through Bannockburn, it is going to take all of us investing financially, but finances are not necessarily our great limitation right now. On both campuses, we have facility challenges that I believe we need to address, our current facilities. And yes, it's going to include financial commitments. Our Dripping Springs campus, we have a capacity issue. The growth in Dripping Springs has been, been between 30 and 40 percent growth year over year for that campus, and that is basically a church with a tear on fire growth. That is off the charts growth, and it's wonderful to see what's happening out there. They're trailing the growth with building a next gen building. Um, honestly, we're still going to have capacity issues even after that building is open in this October, and they're meeting those challenges. And so, just know that that's happening at Dripping Springs. They're making sacrifices for their campus and making sure that their facilities are are meeting the capacity challenge that they have. As for this campus, and this is where I want to spend most of my time here, the South Austin campus is positioned, as far as location goes, for enormous potential for gospel impact in the future. Let me give you a couple of statistics that I want you to see. Did you know, in a three-mile radius of where we're sitting right now, three miles, not five, not ten, three miles, three miles around this church right here, There are 115,715 people that live in that three-mile radius. That's a lot of people. And we're nowhere near to having all of them attending here this morning. And I have a feeling they're not attending any church. There's your harvest field. We don't have a harvest problem in South Austin. Whatever problem we have is not a harvest problem. They're all around us. We're surrounded. Look at this. Since 2000, our South Austin neighborhood, three-mile radius, again, same area, has grown at a rate of 30% per year. Like 3% nationally, I mean, as a country. It's exploded. It's exploded. Just since 2000. Our South Austin campus has to think about ministering to a different neighborhood than was here in 73. And in 1983 and in 2003 our neighborhood is different it has grown so fast it has changed so fast and our South Austin neighborhoods are changing and when you think about gospel mission and you think about how to do the gospel ministry and you have to factor in the culture in which you live in order to reach them when you're doing church you got to think about the culture that you live in and guess what? This South Austin campus has had a, a, a moving target of a culture over the last 40 years. It's a different culture around us right now than it was in 73, 83, and 2003 because it's just growing so fast. And in this regard, the South Austin community is growing so rapidly that it's almost like hitting that moving target. And you got to be willing to change a little bit because you're trying to go for people that are different than 1973. That's why we say as a church that our methods are flexible. The gospel never changes. The gospel ministry and making disciples never changes, but the methods that we use in different cultures can change. Our methods are flexible. Look at this other statistic. It, it is projected that our South Austin neighborhood, three mile radius from our South Austin campus, will grow 10,000 people over the next five years. Three miles, I'm not talking 10 miles, three miles from this campus is going to have 10,000 more people in it than right now. Let's say we're in small town Texas somewhere with 700 people, and I told you, and you're a church in a town of 700 people, that it's going to be 10,700 people in five years. How would that change your thinking? You would go, we probably need to prepare, wouldn't you? We don't have capacity. We don't have a whole lot of things we need for the mission of reaching 10,000 people moving to the neighborhood. Because we're in such a big location, that doesn't seem significant, but it's opportunity for us. Right here in South Austin, we're going to have 10,000 people more to go after, to share the love of Christ, to serve, to minister, to to help them, and the hurting and the healing in our community. We have opportunity. 10,000 people over the next five years. Look at what Ryan Robinson, the city of Austin's demographer, said. He said, I think we'll bust through the 3 million mark by 2030. Now he's talking about the entire Metroplex. 3 million by 2030. That's 15 years ahead of what they projected a few years ago. 3 million by 2030. That means South Austin is going to change quite a bit over the next 10 years. Like it or not, Austin is going to continue to explode. South Austin is going to continue to grow at a very high rate. South Austin might become much more urban, and a little less suburban over the next 10 to 20 years. Understanding ministry in those contexts is significant. The population growth may mostly be apartment complexes that are going to be built over the next 10, 20 years. We're positioned perfectly to minister to this ever-changing and growing community. But we always have to stay strategic in the community in which we live, amen? Amen but we have a facility quality issue on this campus. So the Dripping Springs, we got a capacity issue. On this campus, we have a quality issue. Right now, in our student ministry across the building that was built in 1970, actually completed in 1974, if we have a student in a wheelchair that wants to get involved with the student activities and they gotta go to the second floor, we have to carry that student in a wheelchair upstairs to take them to the programming, Do you know why? Because you weren't required to put in elevators in 1973. That was not a zoning requirement, and so we didn't do it. Sprinklers. I hesitate to tell you. Not there. In three of our buildings, or four of our buildings on this campus. Sprinklers. And we've done a little cosmetic work here and there for the past 48 years. But it's time that we, as a South Austin campus, do it right, stop and invest in the facilities on this campus and get them up to where they need to be for the next 20 years in this location. Okay. We need to come together here at South Austin campus and we need to significantly invest in the next generation ministries on this campus. We need to come together here and invest in the facilities for life groups and our Wednesday night programming. We need to invest in the facilities of our education center. Our education center is the same thing. You want to go upstairs? I'm going to carry you if you're in a wheelchair. Education center is the same thing. We need to come together. We are so f- far out of code in three of our buildings on this campus that if we ever needed to get a permit because we had to fix something or something like that, we're looking at massive costs just to get the building up to code so we could pull a permit. Our buildings on this campus are not positioned to allow us to do excellent ministry to our community for the next 20 years. Let's get them there. The sound system in this very room is from 1983. The speakers that you are listening to, maybe with the exception of these four right here, for you guys in the back of there, in that cluster right up there are these big horns with dust all over them. And at any moment, they could pop and we're dead. And we got to go buy a new sound system. That's here from 1983. And some of your ears suffer the price of that. 1983. We talked about updating them for a long time. We've invested in other locations. We have invested in other things. We've invested in schools. We've invested in other aspects of gospel ministry through this church and so many other places. We have invested in other ministries. We've given so much out of this church to do other things, and we should, and we should continue to do that. But right now, we need to reinvest back into where it all began 50 years ago. We need to reinvest in this campus. I'm proposing that we put together a South Austin campus revitalization team and we appoint this team to do the demographic study in our community, assess our needs and the ministries that we need to reach this community, establish, work with architects, come up with a plan, a master plan of knocking this stuff out, put a campaign together and lead a financial campaign for us to address this challenge. That'll be the task for this appointed team. Now, I have some good news for you. With the sale of the parking lot across the street, we will eliminate $500,000 of debt that was left, that we assumed from BCA closing on our campus. And that's the kind of bad debt, it's like credit card debt. I was like, we need to get that eliminated, and that will be gone. This South Austin campus, we're going to reconsolidate our debt, and the debt load is going to be only on the building in Dripping Springs, which will be consolidated to them. This campus, in effect, will be debt-free with that move, with the sale of this parking lot. Not only that, but with the sale of the parking lot, there will be a $1.1 million uh, cash that we will be able to take and invest in this campus to sort of give it a booster. But it's just a start. I think it's going to take more than that. But at least it's a 1.1 million direction, and we can get behind it, and we can begin to do the things necessary on this campus to get this campus where it needs to be. So within the next year, I believe it's time for us to put together a South Austin campus revitalization team to lead us in this pursuit on this campus. It's for the mission of the gospel. It's for the future, the next 20 years of this South Austin campus reaching its community for the Lord. I believe we need to do it, and I hope so that we do that quick. King David wanted to build a temple in his day. God said, nope. Have I ever asked you to build me a temple? I've lived in a tent. I'm fine. But I'll have your son Solomon build it for me. And so King David's wrapping up, and he knows that he's going to hand the baton over to Solomon, and Solomon's going to build a temple. And so at the end of David's reign, he begins to he gathers the whole nation of Israel together, and he asked them this question in 1 Chronicles 29.5. God spoke. God's going to do this. God's on the mission. He's going to accomplish this task. But he asked the people... Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? Isn't that a great question? This is what God wants. This is what God's doing. Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? They all responded with generosity, consecrating themselves with sacrifice for the work of God. In First Chronicles 29, 9, a few verses later, it says, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. When we're talking about building facilities, it's not just facilities. Those don't make us. It's a place where people come to see God, to seek him, to search after him, as Acts 17 declares. It's a place where children learn the word of God every week and even during the week. It's a place where Christian community is fostered. It's a place where the people of God gather and celebrate the Lord as we have done this morning in worshiping him. It's a place where people get introduced to God. We've been celebrating baptisms for weeks. It's a place where people are taught and they grow in the Lord and they, live, they learn how to live on mission with him. But places of worship require commitment from God's people to build. And it's my prayer that we'll reflect on the heart of those 137 people who laid it down and made the sacrifice. And look what God did and that he would do that through us and he'll take us to greater places than we've ever been before as a church. Let us do the same today. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for how good you have been to Bannockburn. And Lord, what you've given us, locations, you've given us a lot to steward. You've given us the gospel to steward in our neighborhoods. And Lord, to whom much is given, much is required. Lord, would you give us faith. Would you give us trust? Lord, would you unify our hearts? Spirit of God, would you just confirm the things that I'm saying or edit them, however you need to do? But move us along in your mission. Lord, don't let us be a people who find ourselves trusting in the things only we can that we can actually do. Take us beyond our comforts. Oh, Lord. We want the name of Jesus to be glorified, for lives to be changed, for people to come to know you, to be involved in the Christian family, and to live on mission for Christ. As we take a step in that direction, bless. Meet the need, Lord. Do what only you can do. We'll trust you for it. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me all across the room? Let's sing to the Lord. Maybe... Ask the Lord to work in your heart. What has God said to you this morning? Say, take me, Lord, where you want me to go as we sing this song. Amen.